I'd like to tell you a story this morning. Many years ago, Suzanne, Ben, and I, we were down at the beach. We had gone for a vacation, and one morning early on our vacation, me and Ben got up kind of early and so while Suzanne was sleeping. I said, let's go down to the, to the beach. Let's, let's go down from the condo where we're staying at and hang out by the water. He said, sure. So me and Ben got up. We gathered our, our, our beach chairs. We gathered our floaties, all of those things. And, and then we got to the, where the elevator was. So I pushed the elevator button, and the elevator came up. And I turned my back, and I started gathering all of our chairs, floaties, all those things. And my son, who was a young boy, about six years old at that time, ran into the elevator. As I turned my back, I looked, and the elevator doors were shut with my six-year-old son on it without his daddy. The condo that we were staying at had probably about 20 floors, so I had no idea where it was going. So I, I started beating on that elevator. I said, Ben, Ben, where are you, Ben, Ben? And I went around to the side and I started yelling because I didn't know what to do. All I knew was my son was lost. And I was terrified. After about 30 seconds of beating on the elevator, having no idea where my son was, it opened and he came out and he wrapped his arms around my legs. And I was so happy because my son, who was lost, was found. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. What are your goals for 2023? What are your goals for 2023? Now let me ask you another question. Are they God's or yours? Please turn in the Bible to Matthew chapter 28. Please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 28. As we focus on engaging the world this morning, engaging the world, I want to ask a question of you and I want to ask a question of me. Where is your urgency? Where is my urgency for the gospel? Where is my urgency and where is your urgency for getting the gospel to the lost? I live about three blocks from here, right around the corner, and there is a multi-million dollar development happening three blocks from our sanctuary. It's really gonna be nice. It's, it's developing a park. It's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be prior park, and just a, a tentative date of, a, of about a year, they're gonna be opening a children's splash pad, and then they're gonna be opening about a year after that. They're gonna be opening uh, beautiful shops, of. It, you know, incredible condos on top of those shops. And you know why they're doing this? Because thousands of people are moving to Limestone County. Thousands of people are moving to Limestone County. We are the number one per capita fastest growing county in the state of Alabama. Per capita, we're number one. 
Today, there's approximately 104,000 people in Limestone County. Approximately 60,000 do not go to church anywhere. You do not have to leave Limestone County to share the good news of Jesus Christ with a multitude of people that are lost. In your bulletins this morning at four o'clock this afternoon, please make every effort to come to the Family Life Center. Why? Because there's gonna be speakers from the International Mission Board to disaster relief to a multitude of mission ministries here we have in our church that are gonna be sharing about opportunities, how you and how I can engage the world. Because you do not have to leave Limestone County to engage approximately 60,000 in the next five years. There'll be a whole lot more than that coming. Beginning with Matthew 28, 16 through 20. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, we see the point of the entire book of Matthew. It's called the Great Commission. This passage is the focal point of the entire New Testament. You see, the Lord has given you a mission. The Lord has given me a mission and he calls every believer to be an instrument in that mission. I am called to take part in fulfilling the Great Commission. You are called to take part in fulfilling the Great Commission. You see, beloved, for a healthy church, there's certain elements. Number one, fellowship. John chapter 13, verse 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Fellowship is vital to a healthy church. Number two, spiritual growth. Spiritual growth through sound biblical teaching is vital to a healthy church. Ephesians chapter four, verses 13, 11 through 13 says, God gave some as apostles and some as prophets, and he gave some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Spiritual growth through sound biblical teaching is vital to a healthy church. Next, praise. Praise and worship and adoration is vital to a healthy church. Revelation chapter four, verses 10 through 11 says this, worthy art thou our Lord and our God to receive glory and honor and power. For thou didst create all things and because of thy will they existed and were created 
Jesus came into the world to manifest God's glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. We are to praise, honor, and glorify our God in every dimension of life. The mission that flows out of our fellowship, our spiritual growth, and our praise is that of being God's faithful and obedient servants in his divine plan to redeem the world. I want you to go back in history a little bit, your own personal history. Think about when you were saved. Think about that, whenever that was. Maybe it's through vacation Bible school, maybe it's through a, a Sunday morning service, maybe it's through a, this event or that event. Think back to when you were saved. And if you haven't been, at the end of this service, you'll have an opportunity to. God gave you a gift, and that gift is eternal life. Involved in that was forgiveness of sins. Involved in that was peace with God and the peace of God. Involved in that was the love of God. That's what he gave you. Henry Blackaby said, right now God is working all around you. And what he gave you and you possess, he wants to give to other people. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says that God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Many years ago in the summer of 1983, at a very small church in Huntsville, I came forward when the pastor was preaching the gospel and gave my life to the Lord Jesus. God forgave me of my sins. God filled me with his spirit. God filled me with the love of God. Hey, and guess what? I'm not over it yet. Are you? I'm not over it yet. None of God's children should ever get over that moment when you gave your life to Jesus. You were born again, and guess what? You have eternal security. It's impossible for a child of God to lose his salvation. He has given me and he has given you eternal security and that puts joy in my heart. Does it put joy in your heart? Give it away. Give it away. The Bible goes on to teach. In John 10, 27 through 29, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. In New York City, there's a huge bank called the Federal Reserve Bank, and it's one of 12 Federal Reserve Banks in the United States. And the Federal Reserve Bank in New York has the world's largest gold storage reserve. The vault is three stories. It's 80 feet below sea level, and it has approximately 497,000 bars of gold. One bar weighs about 32 ounces, 
and it's valued at about $59,000. That's a lot of gold. There's not enough gold in the Federal Reserve Bank in New York City to give anyone eternal security. There's not enough gold in the Federal Reserve Bank in New York City to buy a house in heaven. You see, the only way you and I can have security is not by all the gold in the Federal Reserve Bank in New York City, but it's by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that you and I can have eternal security. Why are so many folks coming to Limestone County? Well, you know, it's called gold. <laughs> There's a lot of good jobs here. There's a lot of great homes here. There's a lot of good things here. But no amount of gold will give anybody eternal security. What you have when you received Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior is more valuable than 497,000 bars of gold in the Federal Reserve Bank in New York City. And you and I are called to what? Give it away. Give it away. C.S. Lewis says, I was made for another world. I was made for another world. Beloved, the goals that I'm setting this year, the goals that you're setting this year, do them, set them, set them. You know, I'm kind of middle-aged, and I'm kind of chubby, okay? I've got a goal of losing some weight, and that is good, and I'm going to try my hardest. But you know what? We are called to go and give the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is more important than any earthly goal that I have or that you have. Number one, what are five elements that make up a necessary for the followers of Christ to fulfill their calling? Number one is availability, and these are on the back of your bulletin. You feel free to write these down. Number one, availability. Number two, worship. Number three, faith. Number four, obedience. Number five, power. Now going back to number one, availability. Matthew 28, 16 says, but the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus has designated. The greatest ability is availability. The greatest ability is availability. Scripture teaches right here that the disciples were at the mountain which Jesus had designated. They were where he wanted. The last recorded appearance of Jesus in Jerusalem was actually eight days after the resurrection when Thomas saw the resurrected Lord for the first time. That's in John chapter 20, verse 26. Then the journey from Jerusalem to Galilee would have taken there about a week, and after they arrived, there some of the disciples went fishing, during which time the Lord appeared to them again, providing a catch actually too heavy to haul into the boat. Then after breakfast with them, Jesus asked Peter three times about his love for him and gave the commission to feed his sheep. That's found in John 21, verses 1 through 17. 
The event would have occurred approximately 15 days after the resurrection, but probably closer to 20. Because Jesus had ascended from the what? The Mount of Olives in the presence of the disciples, they had to take another week to travel back to Jerusalem. Jesus' post-resurrection appearances covered a total of about 40 days. That's found in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. And then his giving of the Great Commission on the Galilean mountainside would have had to occur sometime between 20 and 35 days after his resurrection. We are not told who was present when Jesus gave the Great Commission, but probably it was the group of 500 that the Apostle Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6. It appears that the Lord assembled a large group of believers and that he chose Galilee for the meeting place because most of his followers were from that region. Because they were there, they met Christ. Because they were there, they were commissioned. Because they were there, they received the Lord's promise of his continual presence and power as they ministered to the world through his name. You see, beloved, it all starts with being available. You don't have to go to Bible school. You don't have to go to seminary. I had nine years in college and graduate school, and I'm grateful for every one of those years. I loved Sanford University, and I loved Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, but you don't have to go to either one of those institutions to share the good news of Jesus. What do you have to do? Say, I'm available. On the contrary, you're like, hey, I'm the CEO of one of these huge companies in Huntsville. Hey, I've moved here and built a gargantuan house. Hey, I've got a lot to offer, but I don't have time for church. I don't have time for those things because I'm so busy. If God has gifted you in a multitude of ways, but you're not available, it'll have no impact on the kingdom of God. Your salvation is secure. You won't lose it. But you'll have no impact on the kingdom of God. The Bible teaches that we are called to make ourselves available. Number two, we are called to worship. Worship is vital to fulfilling the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 17 through 18 says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke unto them, saying, The second element for effective fulfillment of the Great Commission is genuine worship. You see, the moment Jesus appeared and the disciples saw him, they what? They worshipped him. They worshipped him. They bowed down in humble adoration before their divine Lord and Savior. You know what Scripture says about Moses? In addition to leading millions of people, he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. Beloved, humility is really, really good. Humility is really, really good. Pride is really, really bad. And actually, Scripture teaches God opposes the prideful. Here's, you know what that means in the original Greek? I studied it for several years. He pushes them away. 
God gives grace to the humble and pushes away those who are prideful. When we worship the Lord, we humiliate ourselves, we, we humble ourselves. Why? Because the reason that you and I are going to heaven is all because of what he gave. It's all because of what he gave. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed on the cross of Calvary is the reason that my sins are forgiven and that you sins are forgiven, and that came from Jesus. When you and I go into all the world, it's with an attitude of humility. Scripture goes on to teach in John chapter 20, verse 28, they gather there to worship the Son of God, and like Thomas, after his doubts appeared, he said, my Lord, and my God. John chapter 20, verse 28. Then Matthew chapter 40, 14, verse 33. After he walked to the disciples on the water, they worshiped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. Their awe of the son of God and their certainty of his divinity was greater because he had risen from the dead. But you see in Matthew 28, 17 through 18, their humanity, why? But some were doubtful, but some were doubtful. Matthew portrayed Jesus in his divine perfection. And he also portrayed Jesus's followers, including himself and their human imperfection, but some were doubtful. What does that mean? God uses men like me and men and women like you who are imperfect who struggle. God uses men like me and men and women like you who are imperfect. We struggle to share the good news. So as to alleviate doubt, Jesus graciously came up and spoke to them. And whatever the doubt was, it was replaced with what? Worship. As the Lord came near and they heard his familiar voice. Now the complete focus was on Christ. The complete focus was on Jesus Christ. And that is what worship is, when we focus only upon him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, the apostle Paul determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In his own life, the apostle Paul, he was determined to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Philippians chapter three, verse 10. The apostle Paul's life was so totally Christ-centered, he could say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians chapter one, verse 21. Number three, the third element and effective fulfillment of the Great Commission is faith. Matthew chapter 28 verse 18b says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Faith in him is necessary for the effective fulfillment of the mission of the church. We simply believe what he said is true. You see, scripture teaches that the context of this passage relates to the believer's response to his rule in our lives. You see, beloved, you and I follow those who are in authority. Jesus Christ has been given 
all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you and I are to go and share the good news because we believe. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says this, He has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now let me ask you a question. Do you know someone who doesn't love God who just is constantly giving you problems? <laughs> Do you know someone they don't love the Lord? Maybe it's at work, maybe it's family, maybe it's this situation, and they are just constantly giving you issues. You've shared Jesus with them. I'm like, you know, that's great for you, but I don't care. And then constantly, this issue or that issue. You know what, beloved? The Bible teaches in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, that he has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and are under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Suzanne Ben and I just got back from South Korea recently. And you know why we went over there? I've got a daughter that I adore. She looks like a model in New York City. She's gorgeous. And yes, she's my daughter. <laughs> I got a grandson that's two years and three months, and I'm sorry, he's like the cutest grandson like in the world, okay? And I'm sure you feel the same about yours. I've got an awesome son-in-law who's a lieutenant colonel in the army, and we went to South Korea. And for a little bit of fun, my son-in-law said to me and Ben one day, hey, you wanna go see where, he's, a, he's an Apache helicopter pilot. He said, you wanna go see where they do maintenance on the, on the Apache helicopters? And we said, sure, we'd love to do that. So me and Ben went and we saw this, you know, a, a, a hangar where they do the, the maintenance on the Apache helicopters. And then he said, you want to go to the flight simulator? We said, yeah. So me and Ben went to the flight simulator and actually he allowed us to get in and shoot missiles at buildings. Okay, we thought this is really, really cool. And then he took us to an area and he said, no problem with the Apache helicopters, but you can't take any photos of this, so I didn't. And it's where what's called Greyhawk drones are okay while we were there there were several guys who were just like top gun they were you know mid to late 30s you know their desire was to operate these gray drones that are actually can fly up to 300 miles away operated they're, they're unmanned and they, they're operated out of a, a, a kind of a cube like a six foot by six foot cube anyway as they were giving us a, a, a tour of these Greyhawks one of them said Hey, hey, Mr. Crocker, look at this. And then he patted like this basketball size uh, part of the Greyhawk drone underneath the, the, the beginning of the, of, the air, of the craft. He said, how do you like the $2 million camera? <laughs> I said, that's really, really cool. And then he said, you see right here under the left wing and you see right here under the right wing, that's where we can load up to four missiles. And you know what the name of those missiles are? Hellfire. 
You know where that name came from? A truth that Jesus taught called hellfire. Everyone who has said, I don't want Jesus, I don't care about anything you're doing in the church, the Bible means nothing to me, Scripture teaches one day their knee will bow, but it'll be very, very sad in hellfire. That is why you and I must go and do all the world beginning at home. Number four, and I'm almost done, obedience. Scripture teaches in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Scripture teaches that obedience is made possible when availability, worship, and faith dominate the believer's life. You and I, what should dominate my life, what should dominate our lives is availability, worship, and faith. The root meaning of make disciples is literally from a, a Greek word, mathateo, and what mathateo means, it refers to believing and learning. That's what all it means. Believing and learning. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, then you are disciples of mine in John chapter 8, verse 31. You see, beloved, someone who does not abide in the word of God is not saved. They're not. They're not. When someone comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and gives their life to Jesus, they hunger for the Bible. They want to read the Bible. They want to get into Bible study. They want to get into the things of God. They want to get into Sunday school. Why? Because Scripture teaches they're disciples of His. When a person is genuinely confesses Christ as Lord and Savior, he is immediately and eternally saved and immediately becomes a disciple and is immediately filled with the Spirit of God. The Great Commission is a command for me and for you to bring unbelievers throughout the world to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the term the Lord uses in this commissioning is make disciples. When you and I gave our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, we were given a new nature and a yearning to obey and worship the Lord who has saved him. He loves righteousness and hates sin even though he still struggles with it. A mystery throughout all of Christendom. In Romans chapter seven, after we give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, all believers are gonna struggle with sin. We constantly confess, we constantly forsake it. Four aspects of a true believer, they all start with C. Continual confession characterizes Christians. Continual confession characterizes Christians. Preacher, do I have to be perfect to obey the Great Commission? Of course not. No pastor is perfect. No church member is perfect. You and I are going to all the world with the good news in the Lord Jesus Christ, not because of perfection, but because of obedience. See, the requirements that Jesus gives for making disciples involves going, baptizing, and teaching. Going. We are not to wait for the church to come to our doors. Beloved, there are thousands of people moving into Limestone County, many of them into my neighborhood. 
And we are to go and invite them to Bible study, invite them to church. We are to go to their houses. We are to get on social media and invite people to church. We are to use every tool that we have to reach out to our community. Number two, baptizing. To baptize simply means to immerse in water. That's all it means. And the baptism of John symbolized repentance of sin and turning to God. That's in Matthew chapter 3, verse 6. After salvation, this act of obedience is a testimony to our union with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. Paul asked the Roman believers that all of us, do you not know that all of us have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. In order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. A person is saved by grace through faith, and that is a gift of the grace of God. But the act of baptism is the divinely designated sign of the believer's identification with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Number three, teaching. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. Scripture teaches that studying, understanding, and obeying the whole purpose of God, that's found in Acts chapter 20, verse 27, is the lifelong task of the disciple. If you've come this morning, but you're not involved in Sunday school, we've got a multitude of Sunday school classes. Please consider coming to one of our Sunday school classes. If you're like, hey, I don't know which one to go to, ask me after the service. We've got a multitude and we can guide you into those. There's a multitude of Bible studies that we have offered throughout the week. And disciples of Christ are to be involved in learning and continually studying the scriptures. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will what? Keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Number five is power. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Where is the power to effectively fulfill the mission of the church? Beloved, get as much education as you can. It is good. It is good. Get as much education as you possibly can. But education does not give you the power to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be as successful as you can. Work as hard as you can to being successful in your business, in your organization. But being successful in business does not give you the power to share the Lord Jesus Christ. Where does the power come from? From the continual presence of Christ. You see, Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed or confused, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The power to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ comes from the presence of the Lord. Spend time with him. Spend time with him. 
See, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. It is the Lord who goes before you. If you're like, Brother John, I, I, I'm not really good at it. I just, you know, I'm not good at sharing Jesus. I love the Lord. I'm going to be in, in, in Bible study. I'm, but I'm just not really good at sharing the Lord. I don't really know what to say. I really don't know what to do. Beloved, it is the Lord who goes before you. Many, many years ago, I was leading a mission trip to London. Many, many years ago, I was leading a mission trip to London. And I had a buddy with me. He was a black belt in karate. His name was Cody. And while we were on the tube, I just opened my Bible and was sharing Jesus with some people from London. And there was a, uh, as, as Cody and I say, a British thug who didn't like what I was doing. <laughs> and then he looked at Cody and he said, what is, that, what, what, what is he saying about Jesus Christ? And Cody said, he's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he looked at me like he wasn't really, really happy with me. Never did anything. We came to that tube stop. He got off. And Cody looked at me afterwards and he said, I didn't know what he was going to do, but I got your back. Hey, beloved, if you don't know exactly how to share Jesus, but you're going to try, Jesus has your back. He's constantly with you. And as we finish up, Scripture goes on to teach in Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. God wants me to be strong and he wants you to be strong. And he wants us to be of good courage. He wants us to be filled with courage as we share the love of Jesus with a world that desperately needs him. Do not be afraid. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When you get up in the morning and go to work, the Lord is with you. When you go home this afternoon, the Lord is with you. When you and I go about our lives, he's constantly with you and with me. Engaging the world requires what? Availability, worship, faith, obedience, and power. The elements needed for effective fulfillment of the Great Commission. 